Hi, this is Chris Bilton at University of Warwick, and you're listening to the We'll Meet Again podcast, life under lockdown in the cultural and creative industries. Over the next few weeks, I'll be talking to people working in the arts and media about how they and their organisations are adapting, what has changed under lockdown, what might change in the future, and what needs to change. It's Friday the 5th of June, and in this episode I'm talking to film producer Amanda Posey. Together with her partner Fanola Dwyer at Wild Gaze Films, Amanda has made films including Misbehaviour, An Education and Brooklyn, nominated for an Oscar and winner of the 2016 BAFTA for Best British Film. Hello Amanda, I can, nice to see you eating banana cake. And, um, <laughs> Hello and lovely to be speaking to you, Chris. Is the future of the film industry streaming? Because that's what we're all doing now. Streaming has been, has been the kind of spectre haunting the film industry for the last several years. And now suddenly it's, it's everywhere. And you've got Universal releasing that Trolls movie and saying this is for us now. Premium streaming is the way to go. Is it the way to go? Mm, well, I think it's going to be a little bit of suck it and see. Um, quite clearly, a lot of people across the world have discovered how simple and easy and enjoyable it is to watch in your own homes. And obviously, a lot of people also have extremely good equipment now in their own homes. And a, lo a lot of the time, I think the barrier to streaming for some people is simply getting down to the technology and realizing what you needed for which for which streamer and everyone's had the time to sort that out now so i think it will make a massive inroad into the theatrical release of movies um but what i do think is that we won't know until really the end of lockdown internationally and in all the major territories we we won't know to what extent people will really desire to have that communal experience again it may be the very thing some people have talked about that that there could be a sort of a jump up at that point actually of people desperate to um go back and have that communal experience and have that you know big screen big sound experience but i think it doesn't matter how optimistic you are i think there is no chance whatsoever that it'll go back to how it was so i think the question uh, will be Will it now form a tiny percentage of release strategies for people or will it form just a lesser percentage than it did before and that there'll be more of a, a sort of relationship and a, and a partnership really between the streaming and the theatrical release? Do you think it might change the types of films that, that get made? I don't think there's a definition about the kind of film you necessarily uh, you won't want to see anymore because you're watching streaming at home um, but what I do think and this is particularly relevant to the arena I'm in is that the, the sort of medium budget independent films that have been built on a model of international distribution are going to be much they're going to be much harder to finance so I'm talking sort of somewhere between the sort of 10 and 20 million dollar movies that sort of 15 million dollar movie the lower budget films I think will still will still do well and they've always got that 
opportunity to sell direct to a streamer and it's often it's a debut and and that you know they'll be quite happy with that and the bigger productions I think the studios will still be financing according to as you say the trolls model but it's that it's that one that's a little bit betwixt and between that had a lot of art cinema support that crossed over into the mainstream like our film Brooklyn did now nobody would think of releasing Brooklyn in the cinemas took over 40 million dollars in America and so now I think that kind of film people would just assume is going to be a streamer yeah, and that's and that's disappointing because there's a lot in there's a lot in those films which actually hugely benefit from a, a communal audience, whether it's emotional comedy. Peter Bradshaw was recently talking about film festivals and saying precisely that that you know when people talk about Cannes, they say, oh, it's not about it's not about all this red carpet and all this gossip. It's about the films, and he's saying, well, now. You have your wish. It is only about the films. There's nothing else. There's no interaction. There's no humanity around it. There's no, as you say, collective experience. Is that really what we want? And and the answer is surely no. We, we don't. People do value that collective experience. I remember when Rob first went to see, uh, I think it was Get Out in the mm. cinema, and the experience of being in a in a dark room with strangers reacting around him was totally new. It's not like watching a film with your mates on telly. I think it's going to be a little bit of a question of economics for the exhibitors now. I mean, you, I'm sure you read about how upset they were about the Trolls release and how they've, um, I don't know whether they've lifted this boycott now, but they said they're going to boycott the Bond film, which is Universal's next really big release in the autumn. I mean, it's a great shame because I think, as with music, uh, live events and um, making an event of a, of a film was the way forward. You know, everybody was doing Q&As and trying to build as much uniqueness into the, the film-going experience as possible. I was reading something by Andrew Eaton about mm. insurance and saying that it's going to be really hard for the kind of films that actually you make to get insurance. Because uh, if you've got, uh, if it's a big, if it's Netflix or Amazon, they'll just say, oh, what the hell, you know, we'll, we'll pay the money, we'll finance it. And if, and if um, your lead actor gets COVID, then you have, to, you have to shut down production for two weeks. That's so we'll, we'll deal with it because we've got enough, we can spread the risk, I suppose. Um, is that something that, that people in the industry are, are talking about now? Completely, completely. It seems to be, it's exactly the same thing again. The upper end are fine. The lower end, where you're taking risks on all, all sorts of fronts and you're winging it anyway, um, uh, again, you can take that, take that risk. But again, we're, we're sort of um, in that realm where we're paying people properly, we're setting it all up properly, you know, all of that, but we're not, we're not, we haven't got loads of money and we can't reshoot. Um, so that is a really, really tricky I mean, they're talking about, I'm sure Andrew talked about this, um, there being across the board waivers that cast and crew will have to sign. Uh, but another lawyer said to me that until those waivers get tested, there's no guarantee that you are protect, protected as a production company from suits of all sorts. I mean, presumably a lot of the films you make have multiple finance deals and they're yeah. all like a house of cards. You pull one out or Jenga or something, they all fall down. Yeah, completely. And partly because of that, um, a lot of the, the, the contracts actually, all roads lead back to the producer. They have to have, they have to sort of, um, you end up having to sort of put yourself on the line. I mean, one thing I think it, it could push forward 
is there's been a lot of nervousness between streaming and theatrical and it's caused a little bit of a logjam in terms of um, financing. You either could go to Netflix and get any budget you wanted, more or less, um, or you had to really, really tighten your purse strings and you could go theatrical. And I think that um, maybe people will become less nervous of, you know, what a few films have done, which is that day and date thing of... Uh, of doing a proper event theatrical release that garners you the reviews, the festivals, the pieces in in the media and so on, but also making it available at premium streaming for those who would prefer to watch at home. And what, what they've actually found in those cases is that the two have amplified each other. It, one doesn't knock the other out. Thinking about your own business, Wild Gaze, and, and how you've managed these last few weeks. You, I, I talked to you the other day and you were saying that you'd, you'd furloughed some people, you're now looking forward hopefully to being able to move towards part-time um, working, people coming back part-time and being part-furloughed. Um, do, you, do you feel like um, you've, you've weathered the storm and, and that things are starting to, can you see light at the end of the tunnel now? The time to tell will be next year if it takes us so, we were hoping to have a film up and running later this autumn to, shoot, to even start shooting possibly this side of Christmas. We can see that pushing minimum of six months into next year. Um, and we only make money when we make films. You know, we don't have an overhead deal like some other uh, companies do. There were lots of things we were very grateful of when lockdown came, which was number one, we weren't on the brink of going into production. It takes so much um, passion and hard work and uh, and corralling of you know um, of different elements to make a film get to that point where it's down heading down the tunnel into pre-production production, that the idea of that being pulled from under your feet is just heartbreaking, as well as very hard from a practical point of view to, 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 to bring back, to put, to, to put in motion again. We also weren't in the middle of shooting, which I know some people, it was just awful. You know, they had two weeks left or one week left even. They knew they didn't have enough to make the film work without that last week. I mean, just can you imagine sitting on that as a director or as, or as a producer? And I guess, you know, looking around at the bigger ecosystem that you're a part of, are there parts of the industry that you worry for more than others? Are there people or sectors or types of business? I suppose I'm thinking partly of individuals, freelancers, you know, the craft people who, uh, I don't know, editors or whatever, or, or indeed small post-production businesses that you know that perhaps are very dependent upon a flow of work to keep going do you, do you see any of them being struck or is it just going to be everybody's going to suffer the same it's a really interesting question that the exhibition se sector which i've already mentioned is the one that i'm you know because it directly affects us i'm I, you know i'm very worried about how those every man's cousins picture houses um how on earth they can survive. So I suppose that's one aspect of it. I think from a craft's point of view, um, nearly all the crew, technical people, technical houses, VFX, post-production, there is such a, a boom in streaming and television that they're, they're all super busy. And, the, I, I, and actually the post side of things has coped brilliantly with lockdown. So 
everybody's with really, really minor changes has been able to adapt. Mm. I was talking to um, uh, Philippa Lothorpe, who directed Misbehaviour and is just finishing a, um, a Dennis Kelly uh, series for HBO. And, um, you know, she was grading. So the grader, you know, was doing the colour correction in the studio on his own. And she was live with him and you know, looking at the colours on her screen and commenting on that. So it was, you know, that seemed amazing to me that you could do, you could do that. Um, interestingly, composition, score comp- composition uh, is fine, but the, the performance aspect is a little bit harder. One thing I was thinking, and you'd probably feel for this too, is that um, I think theatre is going to be disastrous. I think I, I, there are going to be so yeah. many theatres closing down. And that, of course, has a knock-on effect. There's enormous numbers of really fabulous actors whose livelihoods are kept alive by doing all the small productions that they do in between film and TV work, you know, uh, or, or indeed that give them the training or give them the chance in the first place. That's probably even more significant. And that's true of writers and directors too. So you worry about the next generation and you worry about the rewards people got from working in, in theatre. Your industry is better place than some of the other people I've talked to so far because actually it is possible to have a a non-physical digital interaction and work together quite effectively with somebody as we're speaking now you you can do that and that might also open up opportunities actually in different types of of uh, interaction different types of people I, I really think now we could really properly think about working with our director or our composer or whatever somewhere else entirely in the world and not having the costs of hotels and flights and and so on but just just saying okay we can use all of you and we're going to do it but we're, we're going to feed it through this offline you know this online system rather than us all gathering on one place in terms of opportunity you know you think about single parents with kids at home you think about you know some of the entries to mm. I mean, the barred entries to certain kinds of work. If you can do a lot of that work at home and if people are sort of much more accepting of the work from home idea, I think there's, there's, there'll be more opportunities for a wider range of people. Yeah, that, I mean, I think with all these sort of disruptions, it's obviously going to be disastrous for lots of people, but it does, it does create opportunity and spaces for other people as well. And, and um, it will be interesting to see whether there's a change in the demographics of the workforce because that's obviously been a big issue for film as an industry for for a, a decade and it's very much in all, all our minds at the moment isn't it with you know the, the issues around representation and diversity across across all the cultural sectors. The other thing which we haven't talked about I suppose so much is the creative choices because one thing that we've been able to concentrate on right now is development which goes on a pace and you know we've got four different writers writing working some of them are finance and some of them are not finance so we're taking some of them out to financiers and doing online zooms to pitch ideas and what you what you find yourself doing is you know having to do a double triple think about well what are the kinds of stories is it going to change the kinds of stories people are interested in either because our humanity's view on the world has changed, something as big as that, you know, or as you said, because most of the stuff's going to be streamed into their living room, so are they going to want different things? We, we, we had a project that is about a, a race class action case, 
um, set in, in Nashville at the, the end of the 80s. And we've had two finances get in touch with us just in the last few days, sort of saying, this is a story we should have paid more attention to. You know, <laughs> can, you, can you pitch it back to us, please? Is now you tell us. But I think, I, I think all, all it means is that there's a real acceleration um, uh, in this period, which has been exacerbated by us all being online. So everyone's responding all the time to this barrage of stuff that's coming in on social media and from around the world. Yeah, I can't tell whether that's a good or a bad thing for a writer. Yeah. I mean, I t- certainly one writer friend of mine said, you know, this is a nightmare. And, and I, you know, everything, I'm, everything I've been thinking about writing for the last year is now just gone it's, it's wasted no it's irrelevant and i'm going to have to completely rethink everything that i've that i'm writing whereas as you say for others it might be people might be saying great this is so many stimuli and change and disruption and chaos yeah. bring it on you know so uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah do you have i mean do you have a i mean this is a ridiculous question i suppose but i'm going to ask anyway do you, do, you, do, you, do you have a kind of sense of the kind of stories that you're more interested in telling. We've always looked for stories that have some kind of universality at their uh, at, at heart, so that they they have the ability. Whilst they might be small in their you know setting, they have the ability to resonate on a bigger scale. You do end up speaking about the themes, speaking to issues that are are you know are being the light is being shone on. Uh, nowadays without being earnest if you're going to take all that trouble and all that risk you want it to be meaningful beyond just being a a good laugh and a bit of a yarn yeah absolutely absolutely and you find yourself saying things hopefully that don't sound too pat but like you know saying that that this material has is really humane at, at its heart and you want to put something out there in the world that speaks to the better sides of our communities and the better sides of ourselves you know is there anything else that you'd like to say is there anything you'd like any sort of final thoughts or things that we might have missed given that this is going to people who are interested in entering creative industries of some sort right yeah in different in different ways um what i'd say is that we've had huge things happen before a lot of people were doing soul searching after 9 11 and, the, and, and in each individual country, there have been different kinds of impacts and, and changes. What I do think is that creative industries are, are, in a, are, are always a great, great, great place to ride with the change, reinvent and find, find new ways of working. And given that technology is so much part of what we do, I think we can be, we can be optimistic and we can be, try and be adept and energetic and dynamic and try and work with it and find a way for find a you know find a way forward that's a very good ending but i want but there's one more thing i just remembered i wanted to ask you about which is do you think there's anything that might be done around cultural policy and subsidy for the film industry because especially now with us about to leave the eu you can imagine that um the eu will probably get behind the european film industry and start working out ways to support it Are there, is there anything that you think governments could or should be doing over the last few years there's been quite a lot of uh discussion around increasing the tax credit it sort of nets down to about 22 percent and it has been pushed back on a regular basis and there there is good reason for that 
But I, I can imagine that resur- resurfacing, just dedicating that to British production rather than some of the foreign production that comes in getting a higher tax credit. I, I imagine there may also need to be something to do with the... Um, they'll have to do something to do with the exhibition sector as well. But I, I, says, I imagine, I don't think there'll be any change for a little bit because anything you think of now may not be dealing with the real problem that emerges. So that was Amanda Posey speaking to me on Friday the 5th of June 2020, ahead of what could be a crucial six months for the UK film industry. At the time we made the recording, Christopher Nolan's Tenet was still set to open in cinemas in the US in July. And in the UK, some non-essential businesses are beginning to open. People are talking about drive-in cinema, about site-specific event cinema. But it's going to be tough, especially for the kind of arthouse, mid-budget movies made by Wild Gaze. And meanwhile, UK theatre is in crisis. Theatres are closing. Actors, writers and directors, the talents that feed the UK film industry, are starved of work. At the other end of the chain, the exhibition sector is also threatened. Can cinemas, small cinemas especially, afford to open with social distancing? And even if they do, will audiences feel safe enough to turn up? Will you? Right now, we're trying to solve a problem that is still taking shape. The creative industries, creative people, are resilient, they're adaptive. New ideas and new stories will come through. It's ten days after the George Floyd murder sparked worldwide protests about institutional racism. How will the film industry respond to that? Can streaming be a partner, not a threat? Can we hope? Can we change? I would like to thank Amanda Posey for her time. I would like to thank Mike Ruchinski for his help with the sound. And apologies because the sound recording was a bit poor on this one, which was my fault. I would like to thank Rob Bilton for the music. And I would like to thank you for listening. My name's Chris Bilton from the University of Warwick. And I'm hoping that in a cinema soon, we will meet again.